Nobody likes business surprises, at least not the bad, expensive kind. Today's speaker, Paul Gilry, has noticed that the big DMS vendors have been hitting their Canadian dealership customers with unexpected price increases and contract changes. Paul says these types of changes in Canada are often precursors to the same actions in the United States market. And to Paul Gilry, DMS policy changes can also cause concern. So today, Paul will offer his suggestions about DMS contract addenda that can help control future price increases, access to your own data, how to keep your data from being ransomed, thereby limiting your future DMS choices. We'll look at changes in vendor policies on contract buyouts, that is, when a store is sold or a dealer loses a franchise. And we'll also hear about other changes in the industry, such as DMS staff layoffs, software development moving to India, and more. As we go through this, uh, today's program, remember this. The Paul Gilry Institute does not sell DMS solutions. The company offers advice to dealership managers about how to evaluate these systems. A pretty good update on where we are in the industry. I don't know if we've got any questions coming in. I see I've got Robin and Pauline and Jeff. Anything coming in? Yeah, I've got uh, several questions for you, Paul. Go right ahead, then. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'll just take these in order. Um, okay, so our, our dealership, we have a contract, uh, and and now the the vendor is trying to make some changes. What recourse do we have when uh, when the vendor uh, you know, requires us hits us with a price increase or requires us to to buy a new server um, when we we already have an existing contract? How, how do you handle that? Yeah, so, uh, again, what we're talking about here is they're going to ask you for more money than they're going to take. So you've got to negotiate the server price down. Like all my deals, I put a new server in, so you should, too. Look, at five years, you get out of a server. Everything after five years is borrowed time. If you're eight years into an agreement or you've had a server for five years or more and you don't replace it, that's silly. Okay, well, we're there. That's what it says on your contract. You negotiate the price for that server. Second thing is, well, what recourse do you have when you take them to court? No, we don't go to court. We don't recommend litigation because, listen, we been around these courts for a long time. The court system is broken. The arbitration system is very broken and very expensive. And when it's broken because I feel it's broken because my dealers always end up paying for everything. They pay for the arbitration. They pay for the, the lawyers. They pay for the depositions. They pay for the, the DMS's lawyers. I mean, you want to avoid all that and come to a solution which is really quite possible to come to very quickly if you just become reasonable. Before you would decide to exchange letters with lawyers, call us. We'd be glad to try and just get this finished. Nobody wants to go to court in the long run, right? And basically, dealers lose most of the time. So why spend the money just to learn how much you're going to lose? You can, I can tell you that before you hire a lawyer. And then we can just figure out if we can reduce that. Um, I think that answers that question again. Again, okay. you, you've got to negotiate the solutions with them. And, uh, and again, it's your addenda. Remember, the, a, computer's, a computer contract's not bad three years into it. It's bad the day you signed a stupid contract. That's why you put the addenda in place before you sign. All right, uh, next question. Uh, who in the dealership do you think uh, should be the one to police the contract, that is to compare the bills to the, uh, do the billing analysis and compare it to the, the contract? Well, they, first of all, we'll do the billing analysis for free, and we'll police it for you, you know, after you've done it. And so the controller is my person that I always, I can quack, 
fluently with, and it's just a project that's just easier for us to help them with. So my controllers are the people that should do this. My IT guys are pretty good at it too, but a controller is the first one. My IT guys don't necessarily, like when they buy a new contract or they go into a third-party contract, the first thing they do is send the paper up to the controller and the accounts payable person, and they say, set this guy up on the system to be paid. He's going to be another accounts payable. So I'd like my IT guy to know, but my IT guy is going to learn after it's all done. But the AP, the controller will know immediately, oh, somebody in sales is entering into a contract with another company. Has Gilry looked at this before I set this payable up? And that's where my, my controllers have always been on the front line. Remember, all roads lead to the controller. Uh, okay, on the question of these third-party vendors, especially especially the ones that are sort of Internet marketing type vendors, uh, we did, the Dealer's Edge did a workshop uh, a year or so ago where the, uh, about uh, getting expenses under control. And one of the things they found with a client, this is really, this is sort of an extreme example, but yeah. one, de one dealer had 57 uh, Internet marketing vendors that he was paying every month, actually cutting a check to 57 different vendors. Wow. What... Um, in your experience, can those type of uh, arrangements be terminated, uh, you know, without uh, without any problem? Yeah. Do you feel you're not you don't need them all? Yeah, because it's a, like it's a big variable expense. You can spend it next to nothing because you know you're buying click charges, you're buying more you know more please find me uh, clicks from Google and all that, and you can say, well, I don't want to be found that much. Uh, I want to go in another direction and come up with this. Uh, that's a seminar in itself, I think. You know, when we look at that, and I, and you, I see you did it, you, you've got to get that under control because two years ago, guys, Google Analytics came out and basically what they said is, dealers, why are you paying so much for all these um, other vendors? These, like, you know, these are the guys that have replaced your newspaper, your TV, and your radio. Why don't you get it under control like you did in the old days? You need to get it under control. And they just keep showing up at your doorstep saying, you need to, you need to spend more money. But hold it, they're representing your competitor down the street. They, you know, the, there's a conflict of interest here. So Google came out two years ago and said, look, um, and I remember, I don't do websites. I have no skin on the. You know, I have no skin in the game here. I just tell dealers I'm very interested in keeping the cost down. And the the deal is, you got to internalize more your social medias within your dealership, which has become easier to do through Google. And you've got to get off this um, dependency you have on these major players who are working you as much as you're working your your competitor down the street and they're just taking money from both ends, you know, burning the candle at both ends all the time. And you, you're, you're, and every time you have a bad month, they run in and tell you to spend more money. It's crazy. That's an amazing number. You, you're telling me at 57 internal internet vendors, that's out of control. It's just, you've got to stop it. Okay. Um, that's well, another seminar, by the way, Adam, my son does that seminar. Uh, on, on the CRM, uh, CRM issues. Uh, we didn't hit that very hard today, but are, is there anything new coming down the road on CRM that dealers might want to look out for? No, the only developments we had in CRM was there was scuttlebutt that when uh, Cox came in, well, when dealer dot com was bought by um, the dealer track, that they had a pretty strong CRM package, and the word on the street was that they were going to uh, get rid of SalesMaker uh, in, in dealer track and bring in that, and that all died out. And of course, the Cox deal came down. Well, what does Cox own? They own the big CRM, such as in Solutions. So um, big changes are E-Leads taking ground pretty fast, right? Um, 
We see dealer socket rolling in pretty hard and fast, and we see VIN solutions needing to, you know, needing to make improvements but dominating fairly well. Um, so, yeah, it's really changing fast in that market. And, again, we wrote the, the, the CRM uh, training materials for the NADA, uh, which they put out to every dealer. It's available at the NADA. We know all about it. Call us. We keep on top of it every day if you're, you're going to make a CRM decision. Okay. Uh, and on CRM, again, there is a, there's a big company called Salesforce, uh, big in the CRM, but not in automotive. Uh, do, do you see them <laughs> trying to crack the automotive industry? No, no. I'm very familiar with Salesforce, and I'm, I'm very familiar with Act and these other outside industries. Salesforce, again, being a dominator, and I haven't heard of anything. Uh, you know, I see them at LinkedIn and other companies, but no, I haven't seen them come into our industry yet. And what is it then? Golden or whatever it's called. Yeah. All right. Uh, and um, one more. Um, if we're, it, it, when a store is being sold, a dealership is being sold, and the dealership being sold has one DMS vendor, and the acquiring store has a different DMS vendor, what, what happens in those cases? Okay. So you first thing is that the first thing I want to warn everybody, when a broker is selling and buying a store representing a dealer, he tries to downplay or, or ignore the DMS issue. As my controllers have to step up and say, no, this is a, these can be deal killers. I can't have you guys buying into a, a store that's got a 10-year contract at a ridiculous price, and they're trying to get you to assume the contract. It's a deal killer. And so what we look for is a thing called quid pro quo. Now, this was a big change a year ago. This was one of the DMS vendors who said in the past, if you sell a store, no problem, and it's on another system, and you want that, uh, um, you want the contracts to go away, no problem. They go away. Just pay up with your front money, your leases, like you have to anyways, because in your training that you bought it when you originally did the contract. Right now, if you're buying a store, right, and it's on a system that you don't want, that's not your problem. You're going to leave that with the seller. You don't, you don't take that on. And so the bottom line, the change was they, a year ago in June, they came out and they said, hey, you got to pay 70 cents on the door. We're not letting you walk away anymore. Now, what they didn't realize was their competitors, remember there's contracts and then there's policy. And this is again where, why people turn to the Institute. You read your contract and it looks like you're in deep, deep doo-doo. But the policies often uh, they make in your favor. In other words, they don't necessarily enforce that clause if there's a quid pro quo, which means, look, it, you're selling a store that's on, let's say, CDK, and, C, and the guy buying the store wants to keep it on CDK. Well, they're not going to lose revenue. In fact, they're going to make revenue because they'll, sell and they'll relicense the guy and get the upfronts on that, and they'll do some training, and maybe the guy will buy additional product. So there's a quid pro quo where CDK really isn't actually going to lose revenue. They're actually going to gain more revenue they weren't counting on. Now, then the new scenario, that, so that's called a good deal, and their policy is to work with the dealer and let's get this done and let's get it done within 24 hours so we don't screw up a closed day. Now, the other scenarios are all the worst ones you can think of where they go, no, not only does the guy that owns the store and is selling it, he's going to have to pay out his own contract at 70 cents on the dollar. And if the other guy is even on a system that's the same, we're going to charge him full boat on top of that. So they're now not getting paid twice for the same store, one at 70 cents on the dollar and one at full boat. That's the stinker. 
and we have to go to them and say, look, I've got 12 stores. I'm going to be buying other stores. You screw me around on this. When the contract comes out, and by the way, we've done this. This is the real world. You know, we've had a guy that said, look, I've got 27 months left on my main stores. I've got 10 of those. You're giving me a screw, you're screwing me around in this one store, a little, I'm picking up a little Kia store or something. And he says, you're trying to hammer me at list plus, plus, plus. Well, let me tell you something, guys. Go ahead and hit me at that store. All right, you got me over a barrel. You can go ahead and hit me with a 36-month contract. That's good. But when my 27-month contract is up, guess what's going to happen? You're going to give it all back and more if you're going to keep me as a customer. Again, that's all about negotiating position at the time we do the buy-sells. And we find they think real hard before they want to screw around with a dealer on those situations. So we're always looking for edge, right? Edge. Where's our edge in this negotiation? There's always edge somewhere. Always edge somewhere. Okay, and with that, uh, I'm Mike Bowers with Dealer's Edge. We'll be signing off for now uh, and hope you can join us again for our next presentation.